You're listening to the Independent News Hour. I'm your host, John Tarleton, Editor-in-Chief of the Independent, New York City's progressive newspaper and website. We have our new uh, November issue out. It hit the streets yesterday. And uh, um, so you can find that across the city in our red and white news boxes at libraries, independent bookstores, other venues. Also uh, joined by my colleague and Indie Associate Editor, Abba Gagarian. And before we go to our next guest, uh, just want to remind you one more time that you can support the station and, and make it possible for all these amazing progressive voices to come forward on this radio station, 212-209-2950, or you can go to give number two, wbai.org. So next Tuesday, uh, New Yorkers will return to the polls one more time in our city elections this year. Uh, many of the races are, are all but certain to uh, their outcomes are all but certain, including the mayoral race uh, where Eric Adams won the Democratic nomination in June. Uh, one race that is still very, uh, very much up in the air uh, is in District 32 in, in Queens, uh, covers uh, Ozone Park, uh, uh, parts of the Rockaways and, and other parts of uh, Outer Queens. It's the last Republican held district in Queens and uh, the Republican candidate. Uh, jo- uh, Joanne uh, Ariola is facing a very strong challenge uh, from F- Felicia Singh, who won a hotly contested Democratic primary in June. She's a, a teacher, an educator, a, a daughter of working class immigrants, and uh, you know, ran as a proud progressive in June. Didn't try to trim her sails and be like, I'm a, Dem- you know, a Republican light kind of Democrat. And uh, so it's a real... Uh, uh, you know, a real sort of uh, a dichotomy out there in a part of Queens that once uh, was solidly conservative. Uh, Felicia, welcome to WBAI. Thank you for having me on your show. I look forward to sharing more. Yeah, so uh, for starters, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your district? Absolutely. I am a lifelong resident of a neighborhood called Ozone Park here in South Queens. I've lived here my entire life with my family, which includes my brother and my sister and my parents. I am a daughter of a taxi driver and a school bus matron. Uh, My father is from Punjab, India, and my mom is from Guyana in South America. And they immigrated here for, of course, what many people immigrate here for, which is a better life, a different one with opportunity, with the chance of upward mobility. And what we've seen over the last... 20 years, not only in South Queens, but in the city overall, is a, a, a consistent lack of understanding of our work, working class communities. Um, what, what we've seen here with the taxi medallion crisis, with uh, funding excluded workers, with so many other movements that came out of this pandemic and issues that are coming out of this pandemic, we need to make sure that City Hall is so reflective of the people who live within our communities. Uh, I am a teacher at heart. And so a lot of what we did in the primary and a lot of what I continue to do is teach our community, share with our community and learn from them. Them as well. Felicia, you just talked about how city council, you know, needs to represent the demographics of uh, its respective um, districts. So tell us a little bit about the changing demographics um, or how demographics have recently changed in, in your district, District 32, um, which is the last Republican bastion um, and, and how that, yeah, how that's, how that's changing, shifting out. So 
the communities that ha- that exist within our district, we have a large Bangladeshi community. We have a large Spanish-speaking population here in Woodhaven. We have Indo-Caribbeans who live in our district and folks who are South a- within the South Asian diaspora. We have folks who are Polish, um, Italian. It's a really diverse district. So f- they've lived here for decades. They've always existed. The, the, the idea of the district quote unquote changing is the realization that we've existed here in this community. And then, so why do you think that these, that I guess that, that it is the last Republican district, if that is the case? So it's, it's, to me, it's twofold. The first, it has a lot to do with redistricting. When we redistrict our communities as per the constitutional redistricting by the census, we cut our communities of color very much. And we, because we split them up amongst several assembly districts, which happens here in South Queens, it's hard to find representation that reflects the community because the community has been split. The second is that we've appealed, or not we, rather, folks who've run for office before me have appealed to the same voting block. That same voting block is democratically moderate and Republican. And when you appeal to the same voting bloc, you're not expanding the electorate. You're not registering people to vote. You're not engaging a community that lives and exists in this district um, and including them. You're isolating and leaving them out. Before I decided to run for office, I knew that I wanted to talk to the people whose doors had never been knocked on before, including my own, um, and expand the electorate because that's the only way we would be able to really turn out the vote here. And that's what we did. Though that's the reason why this district has been Republican is because of the same voting block that has been maintained by redistricting. In fact, and in the in the June primary, you said you received far more votes in the Democratic primary than your Republican opponent received in in their party primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's your sense of whether these uh, moderate uh, white Democrats who who voted for the uh, runner-up in, in your primary, uh, whether they will stay with you or uh, align with the Republican candidate who is also white? You know, that's a that's a really great question. At the end of the day, this comes down to whether or not you are voting for someone who has really conservative and Trumpian values, or you're a true blue Democrat who understands that I am a candidate that's able to bring more to our community. Um, And I think that vote that my opponent that came in second um, in the primary, it's kind of, it it might be split. We might have folks who are going to vote Democrat no matter what. And then we have folks who might vote on the Republican line. At the end of the day, Democrats still outnumber Republicans three to one in this district. So we have a lot of Democrats to really choose from and talk to here. And talk a little bit about your campaign trail and what it's been like and, and, and the campaign trail that you're facing coming from John Ariola and, and sort of um, who's behind him and how that makes things challenging. I am so proud to say that we are running and we have been running a campaign that leads with courage and joy and lots of love. The work we've been doing to include community members who live here, um, who've lived here their whole lives, into in this campaign has been remarkable. 
folks who've never been included in the electoral process, who've never been able to lead in their own communities outside of the traditional realms of civic associations, community boards, found a home in our campaign. Um, and that's really what got us to win. People who found a home here in this campaign, relationally organized in their own communities, in their own neighborhoods to get out the vote. Um, and the challenge overall from the primary even to the general is that as a woman of color, the standard in which I'm held is one that is so high that my opponents don't ever get questioned, don't ever get ridiculed, do not ever get held to the same standard at all, despite me being the candidate that has plans on everything on my website in three different languages. As a candidate who's labor-backed, as the candidate who's working class, as a candidate who almost lost my home. I almost lost my home in the middle of a pandemic and still these experiences are being erased um, by folks who think this is not enough, despite my opponent, Joanne Ariola in this Republican race, who is being backed by bil billionaires and special interests who've spent $270,000 to smear this campaign, uh, despite the fact that my opponent has kept an insurrectionist in power here as a district leader. She's under investigation by BOE for nepotism because her son works in the BOE um, and has relationships in the BOE. Um, she never gets questions on these things. Right. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and and just to go back to the uh, onslaught of uh, negative uh, advertising and messaging that you're facing, uh, does this have a, a connection to what happened in the spring with a number of uh, progressive and socialist uh, city council candidates who also came mm -hmm. under a really fierce uh, attack from mm -hmm. a, a political action committee uh, controlled mm -hmm. by billionaires led by uh, real estate developer Stephen Ross? Yeah, this is very similar to that. I think what makes this unique is that there are several PACs, um, big interests that are playing a role in smearing this campaign. And together, they have uh, spent $270,000 and probably will more spend more towards the election. Um, and it tells you that folks who can't even find Ozone Park on a map, albeit figure out how to get here on the A train, are deciding how this race is going to go. And it tells you that they are using fear mongering to manipulate the vote um, for our community to keep this seat Republican, despite the fact that this minority of Republicans who may or may not be in city council are not going to have a large impact in the voting block at all. Um, so it's really a, it's a disservice. It's disrespectful. It's disgusting. Um, and at the end of the day, we have talk to more people in this short term of this general election than we did in the primary. So we have double the amount of folks that we've talked to. Uh, we're calling people on the phones. We're hitting, we're canvassing, we're knocking on doors. We're doing as much as we can to reach out to as many voters as possible, uh, despite so much money being spent against us. Okay. We'll have to leave it there. But uh, Felicia Singh, the city council candidate in uh, district 32 in Ozone Park, uh, Rockaways, et cetera, Thank you so much for joining us this evening, and we'll uh, continue to follow your race. Thank you so much for having me. appreciate it. You bet. And speaking of elections, uh, again, next Tuesday uh, will be the um, uh, election day here in New York, general election. Early voting uh, started on Monday. And 
next uh, Tuesday, we're going to have an election night special here on WBAI from 7 to 9 p.m. That will be hosted by the Independent News Hour. And uh, so we look forward to uh, talking about uh, the city elections and other elections happening outside of New York City next Tuesday. Um, Eric Adams widely expected to win the election, but we're going to have some great guests on to talk about uh, what an Adams administration might look like, how it's already shaping up. And uh, we'll also be uh, talking about some of the remaining com- competitive races in New York, including the one with Felicia Singh. And we'll also be t- looking beyond New York, in, in particular to Buffalo, New York, where socialist India Walton uh, is on the in a very competitive race, but has a great chance of winning uh, and becoming the first socialist mayor of a major American city in six decades. And there's other races as well we'll look at. And uh, so anyway, we're going to have some great guests. We're going to have Tom Robbins, uh, host of a, a Deadline uh, NYC on Monday nights on uh, WBAI, Ben Max, uh, uh, who uh, hosts the uh, Wednesday evening show at the same time slot. And we're going to have other great guests as well. So we look forward to uh, sharing all of that with you next week in our election night special from 7 to 9 p.m. We'll also be back with our regular show at 5 to 6 p.m. next week. And uh, um, anyway, we uh, thank everybody for joining us this evening. Uh, also, uh, Amber Gagarian from The Independent are, has done a lot of great reporting on Rikers Island, helped uh, put together all the segments that you heard earlier about that subject. And um, so, yeah, we will be back. Uh, next week and one more time that phone number 212-209-2950 keep the community in community radio come on girls let's rock that you say you run for the trouble two for the time come on girls let's rock that